Today on the show, I'm speaking with Julie Bongenovese. She shares her amazingly inspiring story of how she grew up with dwarfism and with adversity and how she's now changed that around to make an amazing positive impact in the world. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Natalie Ledwell, and this is The Inspiration Show, and today my special guest is Julie Bon-Genevice. How are you, Julie? Hello, Natalie. I'm great. Thank you. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have you here. You have like, a really incredibly inspiring, inspiring story that I would, you know, can't wait to, for you to share with our uh, community. So uh, why don't we start with your story first, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what you do. All right. And your story is just as inspiring. <laughs> um, I was born with spondyloepiphyseal dysplasia which is one of the over 200 types of dwarfism, and my condition came with degenerative arthritis. So from the start, I had the emotional challenge of a world that was shocked by me or stared at me or mocked me, and then I had the doctors who were very serious and detached, and I felt very much like a guinea pig in their presence. Um, they took pictures of me without clothes on to put, you know, in medical journals. And, and the language that's used around children, for instance, we went to the Center for Birth Defects. So that defect name, I thought that was me. I didn't realize it was my physical form, which is not, in fact, defective. But mm. I heard the words abnormal, um, disadvantaged, disabled, and all of it, I began to define myself in that way, as well as the bullies and strangers who stared and talked about me and asked questions I couldn't answer. And then I had my family who was very loving, but from the get-go, my parents decided, and they told me years later, I didn't know, that um, they knew and believed that I was like everybody else. And... That's how they were going to treat me. And my dwarfism was not going to be an issue in our family and was not going to be talked about. So uh, their, their loving intentions, though, I completely misinterpreted them. And I believed that silence meant shame right. and it meant rejection. And it meant that I should hide my challenges and that I should stuff my feelings and sadness. So it really became a, a fracturing effect because I was I was greeted in one way out in the world, which was pretty terrifying at times, and I developed a real sense of vigilance about where I'd go and when and, oh, my gosh, and what's that person going to say and, oh, what's going to happen over there? And it became this incredible cloak and armor around me that I didn't know was mine to take off I thought my reality, like most of us think, is a done deal. It's just that's the way it is. It's not changeable. And then I found this wonderful metaphysical bookstore in my early 20s. Like a, you know, grace of God, I walked in those front doors and started reading. I was absolutely changed, transformed in those first few weeks in particular, because it seemed every book I picked up 
said the same thing. You know, your joy, your fulfillment, your happiness, your finances, all of it is not dependent on the circumstances that you're born into or that you run into. It's really dependent on your response, on the meaning you give it. And I realized, wow, yeah, I have been believing the mirror of the world that was saying, or I thought it was saying, you don't fit in here mm. and you never will. I didn't think I would ever be on par with average sized people. I thought if you had an average body, you were good, you know, <laughs> and it took a lot of, and I, I'm still a work in progress, but it took a lot of reading at the time to realize that I was in control of my response and I had believed those people who held their own self-worth in question. I took on what the bully said about me or what the doctors, not what they said, but how they treated me. Like I needed these impossible repairs and how could I really function very well? And all of that, I began to question and to realize, oh, these are beliefs. These are changeable. Yeah. My body is not. Mm-hmm. Well, and even that is. There is, you know, the mind-body connection is magical and amazing. But I wasn't going to grow necessarily. But I was really uh, miraculously, it felt like my life started to turn around at that time to see that, okay, what what breaks us down is ultimately the curriculum that breaks us open mm. and that I don't have to hate the adversity and fight it and and oh the despair I used to feel and I'd hide it too mm. which made it twice as big because I thought it was much worse than it was I didn't have to live with that and it started first with expressing it and embracing that vulnerability and that now I talk about on stage is the very thing I hid with all my might I thought I'd be hated if anybody knew how insecure I was, and now that's what I realized became my spiritual springboard to a, a greater life and more joy. Awesome. So I have to ask, what were some of the books that you read in the beginning that really started you onto this, you know, amazing journey? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I loved the book by Pat Rodegast, Emmanuel's book. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that series? It was Emmanuel 1, 2, and 3, I think, but it was the most gentle expression of how the soul gets to choose and it really again put the responsibility in my court and in my heart that wow if i or anyone makes a choice for something challenging in this world then there is some incredible gift underneath that choice so um emmanuel was an incredible one. A Course in Miracles was yeah. very inspiring. Um, I loved Wayne Dyer. Uh, I also read Bernie Siegel, Dr. Bernie Siegel back, back then in the 80s. And he was enormously helpful because as a medical doctor and an oncologist, basically in an area where doctors said, uh, we can't help you, you're mm-hmm. terminal, he, he took off his, you know, doctor badge. He called it, he had his patients call him Bernie. He took off his white coat. And he became human, and he began to realize that the patients who survived or the patients who healed, they didn't necessarily 
they weren't cured. He used to say, death is sometimes the healing, mm. and there's no failure there. But he helped me very much accept my body and to realize that nothing in our outside world can stop us from loving. Yeah, awesome. Now, you have a, um, a fantastic story about how you got to meet Wayne Dyer. Yeah. <laughs> can you yeah. share that with us? <laughs> uh, I love him. <laughs> yeah, I um, I started writing my book as a result of losing my right arm, the use of my right arm. I have... Um, the arthritis in my hips and knees, I had them replaced, but the arthritis in my shoulders, I I couldn't face going back into the medical world. And when I started uh, using or losing the use of my right arm, I was just despondent. I thought I'd been an artist since I was young. I was not a writer at the time. And I was losing not only my income, but this this love, this value that I placed on that creativity. And in my huge pity party, my father actually uh, emailed, or maybe it was on the phone, and he said, well, how about using the computer to do computer graphics and use your left hand? And I thought, oh, really? <laughs> but I didn't have any excuse not to, and so um, got in my first iMac. This was 15 years ago or so. We, we didn't all have computers. And I started writing to just release this incredible pain in my body. I didn't know that as I wrote, I would actually feel better. But that's exactly what happened. And even my right hand started to jump in to the typing because I was so excited to unravel some of these memories that were so haunting to me. And as I did that and could feel the therapy of this new expression, which was taking the place of my art, I realized I'm writing a book. Mm. I think my story could be helpful, and it's actually universal, and I'm a good messenger for it because I don't fit the bill. Mm -hmm. I don't have the average body, and yet I'm very much like everyone else. So I wrote and wrote and wrote, and when the book was almost done, I knew I wanted to reach out to some of my heroes, and Wayne Dyer was one of them. And I remember a couple of people saying to me, you know, he's a big honcho. <laughs> uh, that's kind of a reach. But I was starting to believe in myself. I was starting, because of people like Wayne Dyer, who were speaking of the, this endless, unstoppable spirit inside us, I thought, well, I'm going to reach out, and if it doesn't work, that's okay. And I wrote to him, and he said, yes, he would endorse the book. And I was completely over the moon. I remember quickly putting the manuscript, it wasn't even a book yet, into express mail to Hawaii. And about six weeks later, my husband and I and my kids were coming home from a birthday party. And my husband hit the, the answer machine, the play button, before we were all settled down. And I could see him in the kitchen looking like, there was some shocking thing had happened. And I, uh, as I heard everybody settle down, it was Wayne Dyer's voice on my answering machine. And I don't even remember hearing it all the way through because I was screaming too loud. My kids thought something happened. And he left the endorsement on the answering machine. I called him back, and he invited me to go um, – sell my books at one of his events. 
But when I got there and we were talking a little bit, and he leaned over, he's very tall, and uh, and he said, I'm going to call you up on stage. Can you speak for a few minutes? And I remember immediately saying yes, <laughs> but then in my mind going, oh, my God. <laughs> because for me to put this little body in front of the eyes of a thousand people, and I'd never done that before. I was even one of those people in a group who was hesitant. I would rehearse what I said before I'd raise my hand. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I had no time, jurors. <laughs> and the video is actually on my site now. And in, it's, it was only two minutes. I spoke from my heart about a quick, you know, snippet of my life and why he had inspired me. And I got off the stage, couldn't remember anything I'd said, but all I knew was he had given me this gift to realize, wow, I, I can face my greatest fear and come out okay. Yeah, alive. <laughs> and yeah, and that these challenges that we chose or that we come forward, they, every time we face them square on, or not initially, you know, I was kicking and screaming for many years of my life, but when we finally do accept them, uh, it just brings out this more and more of what we came here for, to yeah. discover and rediscover our magnificence. So Wayne just paved the way for me to be speaking and to really claim my voice and, and be proud. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know that you actually, um, well, I know at least one story about you um, going into a school um, and having chat to kids. So what's the kind of message that you that you share with them? Oh, my gosh. And I was terrified <laughs> because elementary school was where the teasing began. Mm. And so returning there was very intimidating. But the mother of a seven-year-old who has a chondroplasia, which is another type of porphism, had contacted me and said he's having a real hard time. The other kids ask him questions he can't answer. They tease him. Um, they tell him he's a baby. He can't do things. And so she completely uh, opened my heart up, and I said, okay, I'll do it. Even though I even told her, um, this is going to take me a lot of courage and confidence. But I'm, I will do it for him because I was in that place. Mm -hmm. So when I showed up, I really wondered uh, what crazy questions will these kids ask me. And, well, they treated me like a rock star with so so exciting and cute. They were the best audience I ever had. It was actually three classes, right. kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And I talked to them about how their uniqueness, their differences, which may be visible or invisible, mine were perfectly visible to people, but sometimes the invisible ones were really hard because you could hide them for a long time. And I said they were given this one-of-a-kind fingerprint that no one ever in the entire history of the world or who will ever live will have that fingerprint. And that's a message to us that we're not only special, but we're here for something that only we can bring. And so I kept saying, you know, you are so awesome because of this. I know you are. And they, and their eyes lit up and you could see how easily they could accept that. Whereas adults are going, yeah, you don't know me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know what's happened to me. Mm -hmm. All those kids were just, you know, like sponges for that. And 
they didn't have questions about my dwarfism as much as they had questions about, oh, you're an author, oh, what kind of art do you do? And so we just had this great connection, and, and it, it taught me once again that we're so much more the same. I can't forget that because when the rest of the world forgets and we feel separate and lonely and it just ripples out and, and it affects others. So yeah. if we can remember our own brilliance and why we came, we can then, that is what ripples out to others. Yeah, for sure. Julie, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I, this is absolutely one of the most inspiring inspiration shows I've done. Aww. It's been a, such a pleasure having you. <laughs> oh, I'm so pleased to be talking to you, Natalie. You inspire me. Oh, you're, you're, everything you've done and the heart of who you are, I just, I applaud you. Thank you. Thank you. And look, guys, um, if, if we, we want to send people somewhere to find out more about you, Julie, where, where can we send them? My website is Nothing Short of Joy. That's the name of my web, my name of my memoir, NothingShortOfJoy.com. Mm -hmm. And I have a free ebook there. It's brand new called Release the Blocks So Creativity Rocks. And it's a, this is a spiritual pep rally to help us get rid of those belief systems, the BS for short, <laughs> that stand in the way of not the creativity necessarily of art and writing that I love, but the creation of a greater life and being more us yes. in our lives is just such a joy and a freedom. So you can go to my site and download that for free, and I hope you love it, and let me know. Okay, great. <laughs> now, guys, I encourage you to share this video by clicking the Facebook and the Twitter share buttons above. And don't forget, if you haven't done so already, download the app onto your iPhone, onto Android, so you can watch the shows on the go. You don't necessarily have to be sitting in front of your computer. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you put your email in the box above there so I can send you the Manifesting with the Masters video e-course. It's valued at $87, but I'd like to send it to you for free. So until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously, and love without limits. We'll see you soon.